Here we've got a 1999 BMW 318. The BMW 318 is one of the most popular imports from Europe. They're a very, very popular car. If the government's proposals are implemented, we won't be able to import this car next year. So there'll be none of these on the market. Here we have a 1998 Nissan Pulsar. It's a station wagon. It's a five-door wagon. They, again, are a very, very popular import from Japan. This car won't be able to be imported next year. Ted Clay is showing me around his car yard. Ahead of the proposed changes, there are cars here to suit all budgets. There's a big market for cars under $10,000. So anything from 6000 to 10000 or 6000 to 12000 that is a big proportion of our market. If, however, the proposals go ahead, come January next year, car buyers will face a quite different situation. If you've got $10,000 to spend on a car, you might be buying a 2000 model Toyota Corolla or a Nissan Pulsar, uh, quite a wide range of cars, but next year there will be a lot fewer of those cars and this will have the effect of increasing the value of the cars that are available here. There will be less supply and prices will rise, particularly in the under ten dollars or $12,000 market. The proposed new land transport rules would impose new emission standards for new and used vehicles imported into New Zealand, petrol and diesel. While having little impact on new imports, there are fears the changes will seriously dent the used import market and have flow-on effects for the majority of car buyers. If this rule goes ahead, it will dramatically affect both the supply and price of used imports. Creation of shortage in the supply chain means that the value of vehicles goes up, the price of the vehicle goes up, so that's a double whammy for those people looking to refresh and modernise their vehicles. It's going to dramatically restrict the number of imported second-hand cars from Japan. And that means in year one, the estimates are around 65%, up to about 90, 95% in year three. That will have the effect of making cars far more expensive for New Zealanders, and we believe will mean that people will keep cars that normally would have been traded through. The Ministry of Transport says the proposed changes are intended to introduce higher standards to New Zealand's car fleet so that the amount of harmful exhaust emissions are lowered. David Crawford is the Ministry's General Manager of Land Transport, Environment and Safety. The changes that are going to apply should the government agree with the way in which the rule went out for consultation is that we would see in January 2008 a, what's called the Japanese 00 02 emission standard required to vehicles. And that means that vehicles that uh, were built and designed to that standard uh, can come into the country and those built to a lesser standard cannot come in. The effect means that this will limit the age at which vehicles can be bought in second-hand from Japan. The Japanese standards also have their Australian and European equivalents, but with more than 95% of New Zealand's imported vehicles coming from Japan, these are the standards which are most applicable. David Crawford says the aim is to improve air quality. We didn't think we had an air quality problem in New Zealand until we started monitoring it uh, about seven or eight years ago. Um, we, we knew certain regions had poor air quality, Christchurch, has known it for some time. But in 2001 and 2002, some initial work was done 
to have a look at the ambient air quality and the causes for that. And it showed that transport was a, was a significant contributor in some areas. A report on air quality released earlier this month confirms this. The Health and Air Pollution in New Zealand study shows emissions from transport kill 500 people a year. This compares to 426 from the use of wood and coal for domestic heating and 153 from industrial emissions. It's believed that fine particles or particulates emitted from diesel vehicles in particular are especially harmful to human health. The report's author, consultant air quality scientist Gavin Fisher, says although air pollution in New Zealand isn't as bad as many other countries, vehicle emissions are significant, particularly in Auckland. The combustion process involves lots of different emissions, but diesel, even though it was sold in the 1970s and 80s as a clean fuel, it turns out that diesel emits much more of the fine particulates than petrol engines. So petrol engines still emit pollutants, they emit a lot of carbon monoxide and oxides of nitrogen, but not so many fine particles. He says people aren't dying specifically from air pollution, but it makes them more vulnerable. It's not that somebody is choking in the street, and it's not that doctors are writing died of air pollution on a death certificate. It's a concept called frailty. Uh, Because you're exposed to air pollution, you get more frail. So in that case, some people might die earlier than they would have otherwise or they might have a heart attack that they, they might not survive, whereas otherwise they might have gone through it. Or they might get extra respiratory problems. And so it's a, it's a statistical thing. On top of premature deaths, transport pollution is estimated to cause 800 extra cases of heart and lung illnesses, such as bronchitis, as well as causing 671,000 restricted activity days. That is, days on which people can't do the things they might otherwise have done, such as jogging in Christchurch on a smoggy evening or preventing an asthmatic from going outside. A 2005 report on the cost of vehicle emissions put it at $442 million. The government is also keen to see the age of the vehicle fleet improve after years of deregulation and few restrictions. Perry Kerr from the Motor Industry Association, which is in favour of the proposed standards, says the quality of the fleet has been deteriorating and drivers are missing out on the advantages that new cars bring. Cars today, the latest cars are very, very clean. Now, we've missed out on all of that, basically because we've had used imports and there has been no requirement on a used importer, apart from frontal impact, to meet any global standards for either safety or the environment. If you look at the New Zealand fleet, we've got an ageing fleet. Uh, It's now over 12 years average age, and used imports since 1998 have been getting older year over year. The average age of used imports last year was over eight years. Why we're importing eight-, nine-, and ten-year-old vehicles is beyond me, Uh, and if you go into the four-wheel drive market, it's in fact even worse. We imported 10-, 11-, and 12-year-old diesel vehicles. Now, we don't want them. We shouldn't have them. These vehicles are killing people. We need to do something, and at long last the government has woken up to the fact that we should get basically up to minimum standards. Last year, the average age of imports was just over eight years, with 52% built in 1997 or earlier. Andy Cumming from the Motor Trade Association, which represents many used car dealers, says there's good reason for that. In Japan, they have what they refer to as a shaken test. That is a test which, for a number of reasons, the Japanese government has imposed on its vehicle owners, and that requires 
their motor vehicles to be subjected to an extremely strict, rigorous test regime at seven years of age. To comply with that quite often causes a vehicle owner to spend quite a lot of money. The practical reality is that round about six and seven years of age, people are looking to get out of their motor vehicles in Japan. A lot come onto the market for sale. They represent good buys for New Zealanders going to Japan to buy cars, and thus that's where the peak of the imports occur. Andrew Campbell, a vehicle emissions consultant at CRL Energy, says it would be good to have newer cars here. In the 1970s, catalysts were brought into vehicle technology and those catalysts reduced the emissions, the air quality emissions from vehicles by about 90%. Now that type of vehicle didn't really come into New Zealand until the late 1990s when we had fuel that was suitable for that type of vehicle. That's for petrol vehicles. Now we're just seeing the same technology change or significant improvement in the diesel vehicles, anything from... Uh, about 2000 on should be built to a much better standard and so it's trying to get a system that we can take on take the advantage of that new technology that significant improvement in the vehicle design and bring that in and say well vehicles older than that type of technology no we don't really want that I drive a 1991 Toyota Corolla, assembled in New Zealand. She's older than the average car on the road, but is incredibly reliable and has a low mileage. Things aren't so good on the emissions front, though. Because of her age and the fact she was New Zealand new, no catalyst converter is fitted. That means she's likely to be emitting ten times the emissions of a car of a similar age fitted with a catalyst. How harmful a vehicle's emissions are is also dependent on its performance and how well it's tuned. It has little to do with the other environmental concerns of these days, global warming and carbon footprints. The amount of carbon dioxide emitted depends on the amount of fuel being burnt. Andrew Campbell. An old Mini that has very low or relatively low fuel consumption may be putting out very high amounts of emission species that are air quality concern emission species versus you could have a, a very large SUV or four-wheel drive vehicle that is a modern vehicle putting out very low air quality emissions but consuming significant amount of fuel which means you've got high carbon dioxide emissions. Car dealers, the AA, the Road Transport Forum, the Bus and Coach Association. The sector appears to fully approve of the government's aim to improve air quality by reducing the levels of harmful vehicle emissions. But most are also alarmed at what they see as the impacts of the proposed changes. The Motor Trade Association represents more than 4,000 businesses involved in the automotive industry, including vehicle importers and repairers. Its communications manager, Andy Cumming, says the proposals are set to devastate the sector. The standards that have been selected would mean that the likelihood of vehicles coming qualifying to come in would reduce from current levels to something about only about 30% of those levels. Now that has obviously substantial impact not only on those persons involved with importing and selling cars, but also that whole infrastructure of 
shipping compliance shops and all the people involved with the car industry infrastructure in the wider sense. The number of used vehicles expected to be imported this year is around 120,000. Initially, the Ministry of Transport suggested that the proposed changes would reduce used imports by 40 to 50 percent. That was based on shutting cars over eight years old out of the market. But the industry bodies representing dealers say the changes will have a much greater impact. Andy Cumming from the MTA says this is because the Japanese government has allowed manufacturers to phase in the 2000 standard, and this means that some cars built beyond then don't meet the proposed bar. Japanese government allows a phase-in period for manufacturers. If a motor vehicle manufacturer in Japan, say Nissan, has a new model introduced in the year 1998, it will have the applicable emission standard as a, a, at that time. When the year 2000 comes, they are allowed dispensation to continue to build at that level of specification until the completion of that model life. Their new model, say, comes in the year 2003 or 2004. At that time, they have to comply with the 2000-year standard. So they are allowed a phase-in period. The requirements of the proposed New Zealand regime would, in fact, preclude those vehicles built in Japan in the year 2000, 2001, 2002, and sometimes even 2003 from coming into the country because they would not be rated as having the year 2000 emission standard. Mike Noon from the AA says come next January, car buyers will potentially face a very different situation. The cars will be younger and there will be less cars of that age available to be bought from Japan. And so, one, the cars will cost more when they're bought from Japan, and two, there'll be a higher demand for those cars because there'll be less cars available in New Zealand. So I would expect, and industry is telling us, that prices will um, increase substantially. And there are the sort of some benchmarks for pricing. So there's the amount, you know, a 10000 price that people can afford to upgrade a car to. That works out in HP payments that they can afford. You make that car $15,000 or $17,000, um, suddenly they can't afford to trade it up. They'll keep their older car, and that's not really what we want. Right, number 51 here in this year, 1994. That's 2758. A car auction underway in New Zealand. It's at car auctions in Japan where dealers source used cars to import here. Will they be pushed into a higher price bracket and face more competition once the emission changes start to apply? David Vinson from the Independent Motor Vehicle Dealers Association says there will be a tighter supply side which will put more pressure on prices and may reduce volumes further. New Zealand dealers compete with importers from over 100 other countries as well as Japanese domestic buyers. So it, it is a tight market, it's a very competitive market and we don't make the market, we just have to compete in it to buy stock. David Vinson says a good volume of younger imports are needed so they can be bought to replace the older vehicles already on the roads and which only get scrapped at an average age of 17.
This exercise is not just about controlling or restricting the stuff that's coming into the fleet, it's about cleaning up the vehicles that are currently being used on our roads. And the way to do that is to get rid of the old stuff, which is the gross emitters. So really, we need to have more um, vehicles coming into the fleet that are going to replace those old 17-year-old cars. There is one dissenting voice, the Motor Industry Association, which represents importers of new vehicles. Perry Kerr, its chief executive officer, doesn't believe used imports will drop by as much as expected. These guys are very innovative. They're entrepreneurs. If there's restrictions put in place, the major used importers will continue to import. Now, we saw that exactly the same arguments being put up in 2002 when the Labor government introduced the frontal impact rule. Now, the used importers at that stage claimed that their industry was going to be decimated. And in fact, the year following the introduction of that standard, used imports increased. These guys won't get out of a market just because of regulation. They're there. They are very good at their business. They will find vehicles to import. So they'll source other types of cars for a similar value, do you think? The rules will basically make them buy newer cars. Now, they may buy a vehicle with less specification in it. They may, in fact, buy a vehicle with a higher mileage. Again, what you've got to put into perspective is the Japanese market is huge. You go to an auction in Tokyo, and on one day they auction over the total volume that New Zealand would import in a month. So we are small. Now, the used importers claim they're competing in the market and all these other things. Yes, they are, but we are a minor part of it. As far as I understand, there's over 3 million used car transactions in Japan each year. So we've got a huge market to pick from. Yes, they'll have to buy newer, but equally we're getting a better quality type car. Perry Kerr also questions the extent of any price increase. Used cars will definitely go up in price because they're having to buy a newer car. If, if you've been buying a 10-year-old car and now forced to buy a 6- or 7-year-old car, of course you're going to be paying more. But again, put it into proportion... The average value of a used car last year was around about $3,000. So even if there's a 50% increase, it's still only $1,500. Out in the car yard, I asked Ted Clay what sort of price difference I might expect between a Corolla, which would just meet the new standards, and one that was eight years old. My guess is maybe $2,000 difference in the price of the car that you're wanting to buy based on what it's worth this year and what it might be worth next year. So you might be looking at a two or $3,000 increase, but if you're trading in a car, then it's quite likely, in fact most likely, that your trade-in is going to be worth a little bit more next year than it is this year. It's difficult to assess the accuracy of predictions made by industry representatives who have vested interests in promoting a certain view. A more dispassionate analysis has been made by a firm called Kovec, which was commissioned by the Ministry of Transport last year to look at the socio-economic impacts of the proposed emissions standards. In fact, its conclusions were in line with the industries. It found there would be reductions in the total number of imports, there would be increases in average import prices, increases in the value of vehicles already in the fleet and longer lives for existing vehicles to offset reductions in import numbers. Fraser Colgrave is Covex director. What we're assuming is that everybody who was going to buy a car that can't now, you know, some of those people aren't going to suddenly increase their budget and buy new imports, so naturally the level of imports, imports will fall. You also say that there will be increases in the average import price? Yeah, what we're saying there is... Uh, 
this is a bit of a tricky one. What we're saying is that the average value of an imported car would go up, but that's simply because the composition of imports has changed. So the, the average age of imports would be newer, so that the average price then would be newer. We're not sort of saying that like with like would necessarily be more expensive afterwards. And faced with that increased price of imports, then people will look to the existing fleet more. Exactly right. Uh, or, or perhaps just hold on to their existing vehicle for a little bit longer or try and source domestically, as you say. Longer lives for existing vehicles mean an ageing fleet. The AA's Mike Noon. Perversely, we're actually likely to have older cars staying in the fleet and our emission levels through this proposal are actually likely to increase. David Vinson from the Independent Motor Vehicle Dealers Association says even cars that meet the new emission standards may be more worn out. People will be buying older kilometre cars, much higher mileage cars, perhaps lower specifications, but that's um, less likely. It's much more likely to be there'll be vehicles which have done much higher mileage, which means that the country is getting older vehicles which are more worn out. And once again, it defeats the whole purpose of the intention of the rule. Fraser Colgrave says the actual outcome all depends on how consumers respond to the changes. If people embrace the policy and say, right, I was going to buy an eight-year-old import, but I can't anymore, so now I'm going to buy a six- or a seven-year-old import, if everybody started to sort of think that way and do that, we'd be much better off and the policy would would be a success. Uh, However, if a lot of people suddenly say, look, I can't afford to buy a newer import than the one I was going to, so I'm just going to stick onto my old vehicle, to the extent that they go down that path, then we end up worse off. So it's a balance, you know, it's, it's about what you think people are going to do, how they're going to react. And uh, did you come to a conclusion about which was more likely in the behaviour? Uh, what we did was we derived what we called consumer response scenarios. We had five of those in the report that we modelled. Two of them were very extreme and three were in the middle. Um, the response scenario that we considered probably most likely would end up with very little saving in emissions and perhaps a small increase in emissions. An ageing fleet and possible increases in emissions, these are called unintended or perverse consequences of a policy initiative. There are more. Exhaust emission standards are set to change for diesel vehicles too and are likely to be more stringent than the petrol standards. This is because of diesel's disproportionate impact on air quality. The Auckland Regional Council estimates that 91% of the cost of air pollution in the city is caused by diesel vehicles. David Crawford from the Ministry of Transport. They contribute much more strongly to poor ambient air quality and so the need to reduce that part of poor air quality coming out of the vehicle's exhaust is greater than with petrol. Vehicle emissions consultant Andrew Campbell. Diesel vehicles, even though that they're only around the 10% mark of the fleet, they're responsible for upwards of 80 to uh, even 90% of the particulates from the vehicle fleet. So yes, that's why a lot of people concentrate on the diesels, because that is where they see that the uh, greatest health issue is. While it may make perfect sense in terms of air quality, if the proposed standards are adopted, they're expected to have an impact on the cost of school buses. Thousands of children catch a bus to school every day, with subsidies from the Ministry of Education costing $65 million a year. John Collins, the executive director of the Bus and Coach Association, says meeting the proposed requirements will significantly increase this. 
Most school buses today are second-hand Japanese imports, often at least 12 or 13 years old, maybe even older. They come into the country and they're sold for about $35,000, dollars $50,000, um, and they provide a perfectly adequate um, backbone to the school bus fleet. If the government wants to change the emission standards so that we have to buy newer vehicles, not only will those cost significantly more money, but they'll also be younger. On one hand, the school bus fleet is immediately improved, but on the other hand, there could be an increased cost to the Ministry of Education of anywhere $20 million or so upwards for the capital cost of the new vehicles. He says the industry isn't opposed to standards, but it is concerned about the impact. We're more concerned that the ministry actually might run out of money or not have the budget commitment to meet those capital costs. And if that's the case, then we will find ourselves in difficulty because there isn't any alternatives. John Collins also fears the changes could make the New Zealand tourist market less competitive. He says older coaches imported and used for the backpacker and low-end market will cost more, as will some rental cars. If the cars are priced off the market, what our customers can afford, then we'll certainly struggle to attract them and we'll find that our competitors, Australia, South Africa and the like, will, will be able to benefit from that. And I think that's something which the government really hasn't really considered properly and something which the association is doing more research work in. With these potential economic impacts and the possibility that emissions won't improve, those like Andy Cumming from the MTA are asking what's the point of the new standards. If you're going through that pain and you don't have the gain of have cleaner air as well, you have to then worry about why you're doing it in the first place. The Ministry of Transport concedes that the policy has a raft of unintended consequences and David Crawford says in the light of these, the proposals are being reassessed. We accept that the rate at which vehicles can come in, the rate at which they drop off, is bigger than we had anticipated. Uh, and part of our advice to ministers at the moment is, is seeking their level of comfort as, as to whether that's what we really intend as a government. David Crawford says he would be concerned about the fleet's refreshment rate if the volume of used imports dropped to 30,000 a year, the number now accepted as a real possibility. However, he insists changes are necessary and the proposals will form part of a package of measures to be introduced to improve air quality. He says the Ministry accepts that in the short term emissions won't improve at the rate it would like. It won't happen in the three to five year time frame, it'll be in the five, ten to fifteen year time frame um, because the vehicles last in our fleet from sixteen to eighteen years on average. So when you make a change up front, it will take some years for that change to work all the way through the fleet. But we will start to see the changes progressively being implemented from January next year. Fraser Colgrave from COVEX says it's a difficult balancing act for the government which wants to improve air quality while minimising the social cost of any measures. In 2005, the company analysed the impact of introducing a stringent emissions test for vehicles already on the roads. The first policy we analysed would have had a fantastic impact on emissions but a, a shocking social cost. And this policy has very little social cost but possibly little impact on emissions as well. David Crawford from the Ministry. Governments are very mindful about wanting to see things improve, but they're also very mindful that the rate of that improvement doesn't cause too big a dislocation. And while we have got poor ambient air quality in many of our urban places, it's not so severe that you have to have those draconian measures. This is more, um, it's heading in the wrong direction, let's put some steps in place to turn it around and get it heading in a better direction. Final decisions on the proposals are due to be made in November. 
Much of the industry is pressing to have the implementation of the new standards tweaked or delayed, and it seems likely that their introduction will be altered so they are phased in to mirror more closely what happens in Japan. More effective measures of reducing harmful exhaust emissions are being worked on, and in future are likely to add to the cost of operating a vehicle or owning a car.